This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast, number one podcast in Oakland, number one podcast in the Bay Area. Um, today is a special night like it always is. Uh, when I started this podcast, I wanted to talk to normal people in the neighborhood, in neighborhoods around the country, and there are a lot of interesting people that a lot of people don't know about, and one of those people is the person that I have today as a guest when it comes to artists on the rise, when it comes to when you look at their art, you get Picasso vibes. When you think of models like gypsies, <laughs> Dark, sexy metal, like heavy metal, you know, Joan Jett. You think of Adriana. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, okay, so how was your your evening today before you came here? It was great. I uh, went to the beach, um, kicked it with my sister, some of our friends that we've known since we were kids. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, like all women felt very empowering to be there with them. All women? Mm-hmm. It was. Was it planned that way? Yes, it was. Why it is that? Was, uh, we had our first. We did like an event a few weeks ago. Uh, at the marina, and we essentially realized that we had hella friends that hadn't met each other, and so we wanted to bring all our friends together, uh-huh. and so, yeah. That's what happened. And we wanted to be all like just women that we know that need to know each other to create a sense of empowerment and solidarity. So, yeah. And then we all made a group chat and then we were like, let's do it again. So Is everyone like an artist? No, no. Uh, I mean, like my, th- I would say we're all, <sighs> we all are kind of have a part of us that, just tends to advocate for social rights. I think, mm. I think that's like the link between us all. Um, we're all mostly Bay area, um, born and raised. So we kind of have that in common. Um, but yeah, like my sister works for a nonprofit mm. housing rights. Um, Sarah, one of her friends, uh, is a teacher and, Karime just got her MFA, so in psychology, so yeah, all over. The- do you do you think it's weird when people? Well, not weird, but do you think uh, people who are not people of color, do you think they feel awkward when they uh, like like try to fight for uh, like people of color issues? What do you mean by awkward? Like. Um, like, do you feel that 
let's say white people like white girls mm -hmm. do you think white girls feel awkward or do they feel yeah let's, do they feel awkward when they talk about or get questions asked about uh racial issues so because basically what they are going basically what the questions that are at being asked to them are about their own race mm -hmm. um i think depending on the white person you're talking to it'll be a different reaction mm -hmm. um i do think there are a lot of white girls out there a lot of <laughs> white people that kind of have fomo like they want to be part of something mm -hmm. and so they yell louder than you know the person who something is actually happening to and you know to a certain extent like people of color need that because you want people who do usually have more power um in a room to stand up and advocate for you because mm -hmm. they have that space already mm -hmm. but i think there is a line and it gets crossed a lot and it really just depends it's so complex you know How but you i think usually i can you know as i think usually you can tell someone's intent yeah how do you feel about that whole uh when people try to be like too woke like i'm super woke and all that all that shit um i go back and forth i think that uh it can be very elitist. Like PC culture is extremely elitist. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of the terms that I learned when I was in school, I didn't know yet. And I think that it was important to learn them. It was important to sort of do research and read the appropriate things so that I knew what I was saying and what I was, you know, the impact I was making with the language I was using. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't think there's a lot that can come from like, cancel culture like well maybe sometimes actually because some people need to be canceled but like you know i think that the like any issue just necessitates communication like there just needs to be a back and forth there name me a person since we on cancel course name me a person who you think deserved to be canceled and name me a person who you think didn't deserve to be canceled um like somebody that i know no just like so i mean celebrities in general fucking uh okay um i think all the kardashians need to be fucking canceled <laughs> <laughs> like just get Why? rid of them because they have a huge platform and they're not taking advantage of it like they are making women so insecure about themselves and i'm not saying that like they're beautiful, whatever, you know, like I, I'm not, that's great. But it's mm. like, there is more that you can be doing with your platform. And that pisses me off. It's like, go be fucking hot on your like Instagram. I don't give a fuck. Like, please do that. I want to see that. But, is, it, is it their fault or is it just women's insecurities? Because yeah. all they're doing is taking pictures like every think, other girl does. I don't think that's true because they're not just taking pictures. They have a whole ass lifestyle that surrounds those photos. Right. And they're okay. making people think that they are not good enough if they don't have that. And it's like, they could be doing so much, yo, like they have all the money in the world. They could be going to fucking school for free, essentially. Like, that's what I always think about. I'm like, if I was a Kardashian, I would be getting like PhDs here left and right. <laughs> like, would you though, if you're want. a billionaire, why would you want to go to Fuck school? Yeah. That's the, I mean, cause I, well, personally, 
I love to learn. Like that's, mm-hmm. I, it keeps me going. It keeps me interested in like being alive. And I think that the one thing that has gotten in the way of that is like access to resources. And so if I did have the money, I would one, give it away because I want <laughs> there to be like, you know, <laughs> less of a disproportion with wealth, but you don't think they donate. <laughs> I'm sure they do, but they have so much that they don't donate enough. I don't think that there should be rich people. Like you period. can have, you don't think there should be rich people period. No, like, no. Mm. Why do you? <laughs> of course. I wouldn't mind. Because you want to be rich? <laughs> Who doesn't want to be rich? I'm now, when I say I want to be rich, that doesn't mean I, I, I'm obsessed with money. Obviously, I mean, I own a business. And obviously, if you own a business, you want to make money. That's the whole point of, like, yeah. you need to make money to survive. So, obviously, I yeah, want but- to... After, you know, what was it? There was research done that after like 50, like they did research on quality of life for people. And there was a certain limit where if you made more than like 50,000 a year, and I think since inflation, it's probably 75,000 a year now or something. Mm. It doesn't improve your quality of life. It doesn't make you happier. You are across the board, just average, either sad, happy, whatever the fuck. But it's like the money, as long as you have like what you need, I think that's, that's. I mean, I do think some people have, I mean, way too much money than they can even spend. Like Jeff Bezos, he can literally solve the homeless crisis in the whole state of California if he wanted to. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I get upset about when people with that much money Mm -hmm. who don't solve like human being problems, they're just worried about, like he's worried about going to space. Yeah. Like who gives a fuck about that? (laughs) But anyway. I think it's yeah, it's narcissism. Who do you who do you think shouldn't have been canceled that has um, been canceled? That I actually don't know, because so you like cancel culture, you're all for I it. I do and I don't though, because I think that sometimes it's like okay, go ahead and cancel someone, but I want to hear the conversation between you know, like a real conversation, not just like a fucking one way apology, mm. and they just consider that to be like oh, I addressed all the you know the topic, yeah. So therefore, I am. I'm, you know, relieved of this. But. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not with all the cancel culture because, first of all, I believe in when some someone's going to show you who really what they really say. That's who they really are. And then when people like the cancel culture comes in, then that's when they apologize. But they're not apologizing because they regret saying what they're saying or doing what they do. They're apologizing because they're losing money now. They're losing like sponsors mm-hmm. and like getting like losing jobs and shit. So that's why they apologize. But they're not really sorry. Like if you, like there's been a million, a bunch, not a million, but there's been a few like celebrities who they dig up their old tweets and they're going on racist rants right. from when they were like 16 and they're mm-hmm. now like 40 something. I'm like, you're first of all, you're 16. Like mm-hmm. people can change when they're 16 to like 40, 49. Sure. And the fact that they get canceled because of that, and now they got to go through all this apology. Like, I mean, we don't need your public apology because you're not really sorry. Like, you're only saying sorry because you you were caught. It's like when you're a thief, like when you get caught mm-hmm. stealing. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're not. You know, you're sorry because you got caught stealing. Sure. Um. Yeah, but I guess like at least cancel culture is bringing light to what these people are doing, right? Like it's mm. you know otherwise wouldn't be known it would be hidden 
I think it's important yeah. <laughs> for people to like address things that they've done. Yeah. Um, so what's your, uh, what's your nationality? My dad is from Mexico and my mom is white. She's Irish and maybe Portuguese. She has no idea. How did they meet? They met in high school at Berkeley high. <laughs> so they were high school lovers and stayed high school lovers. Uh, not, I mean, not anymore. No, <laughs> so they're not together. No. Are they still um, alive? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Alive. You have siblings? I do. I have an older sister and a younger sister. And you guys are close? We are very close. Yeah. Who are you closest to? <sighs> I'm just close to each of them in different ways. You know, like my older sister, Ale, is somebody that I do everything with, you mm-hmm. know? And my younger sister, I have the same ease and comfort with her, but like, She's a homebody, you know, she mm-hmm. kicks it at home a lot. And so when it comes to like doing stuff, I'm usually with my older sister, but I'm just as close to both of them. So yeah. you grew up in Berkeley? I grew up all over the place. I was born in Oakland, but raised in the Holy East Bay. Like we moved around a lot. Um, I think the mo- the longest we ever lived anywhere was in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I was growing up for you. Uh, like in what way? Like, you know, like how was your childhood? Was it like, like was it traumatic? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> Bro, yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Um, where to start? I mean, uh, we were very poor. Uh, my my mom had all three of us by the age of twenty, twenty one. Mm-hmm. So very young mom. My dad was not a great dad he wasn't very present um and he was, was he abusive he was abusive to my mom um and maybe neglectful to us uh he was also an alcoholic uh we grew up like i said the place that we grew up in the longest was easter hill the projects in richmond was the place we lived at the longest and then after that we moved like Richmond, uh, Berkeley, barely ever Berkeley because it's too expensive. Um, Pinole, Emeryville, Albany, Fairfields. I think that's it. Now, I mean, Oakland. Uh, yeah. So when you were growing up, your parents were still together? Yeah. Uh, they, they broke up when I was in eighth grade, I think. What was your dad doing? Like for work? For work. Uh, he wasn't, I mean, he'd be in and out of work. He was a musician, so he was like gone a lot mm-hmm. on tour, you know? Um, he, he was in a Spanish rock band and, um, that's why he was like kind of there, kind of not sometimes. Um, was it, uh, La Bamba? <laughs> no. No? Uh. No. Um, that is not the only, yeah, that's the only one not. I know. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he he had random jobs, and then he'd kind of lose them and then get another job. I don't know. What about your mom? Uh, she worked for Contra Costa College, so she was in payroll, mm-hmm. and she like worked her way up the ladder. Yeah. She still works there? Not anymore. She is now at Solano Community College. Yeah. So when you were growing up, uh, what type of girl were you? Were you like bad, rebellious? No, I was, I was super shy and, uh, 
like very, very kind as far as I knew. Like everybody was always telling me I was a nice girl and I hated mm. that. Um, except recently I spoke to someone who told me that I bullied them, which was a huge surprise to me because I always thought I was the one that was being bullied. But mm. I guess maybe everyone is bullied, <laughs> you know? What about in high school? Were you the <laughs> same kind girl? I mean, in high school, I really, I was just so shy, you know, and like my mom was extremely overprotective because her childhood was so fucked up. So she, um, she like kept us in a bubble. Like she didn't let us out. She didn't let us hang out with our friends. Like the only time I had social interaction was when I was in school and mm. we were usually in class, you know? Um, was your mom uh, religious? Not really. No, like we went to church a bit when we were younger because of my grandma, but, and my mom liked to claim she was religious mm. or at least spiritual, but no, not really. So what high school did you go to? I went to Berkeley High and then I transferred to Albany High. Albany High, that's like one of the, that's a good school, right? <laughs> Isn't Albany known for like their school system or whatever? Yeah. So that's the one thing my mom, like she would... So when my grandma got here from Mexico, so like uh, my dad didn't move here until he was older, but like my grandma got here from Mexico. She got like a section eight house in Berkeley that she still lives at. And so we were able to use that address to go to Berkeley school district mm. schools. Mm. And so um, that's how we were able to like stay in uh, Berkeley schools. And then my mom started when she divorced my dad she started dating someone who lived in albany and we moved in with him and we were able to use his address to go to albany high mm. and yeah i guess it's considered a better school it's a, you know it's a small city one square mile a lot of money there um yeah i hated that school <laughs> <laughs> did you uh uh did you grow into your like your sexuality in high school or no? Uh, what do you mean? Because like, you said you were shy and shit. Were uh, you getting a lot of are attention? Are you wondering if I was having sex in high school? No, no. <laughs> were, you, were you getting attention, like a lot of attention in uh, high school from the uh, boys? Yeah, yeah, that was happening in, in middle school. I think I, the first time I remember boys talking about my body was when I was in first grade, you know? Um, in first grade, what was they saying? You had, a, you, had, you had a fat ass in the first grade? That's what the photo they, they drew of me said. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah that that started young <laughs> were you allowed to date in high school and middle school no god no but but did you date oh yeah it didn't stop me that was like i was so shy i just wanted people to like me and so when boys started showing like sexual interest in me i took that as like my way to get anybody to just like be my friend so. did it bring uh problems uh yeah definitely tell me about it uh, the, uh such open-ended questions i'm like where do i start <laughs> <laughs> um the problems that came with that uh i was very insecure uh a lot of i kind of i want to say like hook, hooking up with boys and men like made me more insecure because they would like criticize my body and I thought I wasn't good enough. So that sort of, you know, created its problems in the future. And now, 
Um, it was also dram- like just drama. Like a lot of girls, I started getting bullied when I was in middle school because the, I mean, a lot of the boys would break up with their girlfriends to try to ask me out. And then mm-hmm. the girlfriends would hate me. And I was like, yo, I didn't, I didn't tell him to do that, you know? So it was like a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's fucking drama. Were you dating older men as a young child? Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, my mom better not listen to this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my demographic. No. Yeah. I definitely started having sex when I was like 14 and it was not with people who were, uh, <laughs> under 18 like they're well into their 20s yeah, how did how did this come about um, like how are you meeting these grown men uh my older sister who is not that much older than me she was also probably like underage at the time she is like a year and a half older um she was dating someone who was like in his early 20s and we would go kick it with him and his friends mm-hmm. and that's how i started to like you know just get in with like a sketchy ass crowd <laughs> yeah was this like a like i lost my virginity to like a 30 year old type shit yeah i don't even remember his name he, i don't know <laughs> but you know he was old. He, he was older yeah i mean he that's was who you lost your virginity to i remember yeah i think he was like 23 uh-uh. and i was 14 yeah yeah did you feel like in the back of your mind like uh i can't believe this grown man is like doing this with me and i'm young yeah, no, did I, did not, even, I did not want to do that. You weren't thinking about that? I did not want to do that. I would have rather been home, like, fucking eating and watching TV. <laughs> like, I was 14. But I... Um, you felt like you were forced to do it? I wasn't, like, physically forced. It was more of, like, a mental... Like, I didn't know how to say no. Mm-hmm. That's been, like, a huge thing I've had to work on as I've gotten older. Like, just being able to say no. Because mm-hmm. I was so introverted. And I... Yeah, I was scared of, like... Do you think that stems on when you were like, oh, I just want everyone to like me. So you ex- you were doing yeah. things just yeah, to please yeah. other people. Definitely. Yeah. And then like I thought, you know, after that, there would be, you know, they somehow had some kind of like obligation to me. But yeah. no. <laughs> so you never saw that guy again? Mm-mm. No. After the first time that happened, did it make you... You know how some women, after they have sex for the first time, they it makes them like shit. I want to do this all, all the time now, or and then other women are like, oh, I don't never want to do this, so they go years without doing it again. No, I was more like uh, it, it like kept happening after that. Mm. It was almost like uh, self destruction. Mm. You know, like I didn't. Yeah, I think my. It, I was very insecure, and mm. so I just kept doing it. Like I, I don't think I was r- registering how much it was affecting me. Mm. Yeah. Are you still uh, an insecure woman today? I mean, I think I'll always have insecurities for sure, and depending on how I fucking feel that day, or mm. if I'm on my period, like I might feel more <laughs> or less insecure. <laughs> but uh overall i feel like i feel confident Mm. you know especially like turning 30 i was like wow i don't i don't think it's age necessarily but something about when i turned around like 28 it was like i started feeling like i don't i don't give a fuck like (laughs) i look the way i look i am old yeah 
Yeah. You don't really give a fuck anymore. Yeah. So when you, uh, what year did you graduate high school? I was 08. 08? Yeah. And then what, where, where did your life take you after that? Uh, I, I was in and out of community college. I like, I got very bad grades because I was just trying to, so my mom kicked me out when I was 17. Uh, I tried to live with my dad, but that didn't work. So I was kind of like living at a friend's house mostly or mm. like just figuring it out eventually like just started dating someone and sort of just moved in so like moved into their mom's house too just because it was like somewhere to go Mm. um but mostly i was just like working and trying to go to school on the side but it was hard to focus because i was just like trying to fucking survive um but actually before before i even moved into his mom's house me and my sister got a spot because my sister moved out even before i did um so anyway yeah i was just fucking working just working a lot what'd you, know? you get kicked out for uh i don't remember to be honest like it was always there was always something <laughs> with my mom like we were always fighting and she was never completely satisfied with what we were doing so yeah were, I don't know were I you in school just like studying general ed or mm, i was already interested in art so i was like you know trying to figure out like what to major in but i was really just like failing so hard that it didn't matter because i just had to finish my general ed to even get to the point where you get to choose what to major in mm-hmm. uh and i was just yeah not doing well but eventually i like around 24 i was like fuck this shit i don't want to be i was managing a retail shop on telegraph mm-hmm. in berkeley and i was like i don't want to do this shit forever this is terrible so i Decided to go back to school and like actually try. And so I did academic renewal, um, got my grades up in community college, and then transferred into Berkeley. And then I did that. Like and, UC Berkeley? Mm-hmm, yeah. That's and impressive. Then, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, did you graduate? I sure did. <laughs> what year? I graduated in 2018. So you're like a... What are they called? A real life uh, American dream story. <laughs> uh, I mean, if that's what poor you kid call struggled, it. no money, finds herself in UC Berkeley from working hard. I guess and so. graduated. That sounds. I hate that version of the story. It sounds like I'm this fucking yeah, victim. It's and, the fucking truth, though, isn't it? I mean, I guess. I guess so. I just don't like feeling victimized. <laughs> yeah. So when you were in college, what was college life like for you? Uh, stressful. Um, Did you feel represented going to an all-white, all-Japanese school? <laughs> no. Um, I, I mean, there is like a slightly larger percentage of Latinx students there than there is like black students. Mm-hmm. Um so at least I had like every so often somebody that was like, you know, Latinx. Yeah. Um, but in general, no, it didn't. How do I explain this? There was like moments when it felt like a safe space. Um, but generally, no. Like I think most of my professors were very elitist. Um, they would acknowledge issues, but it was in that way that, fucking berkeley does you know like that berkeley culture where it's like 
we're not racist because we are informed and it's like, nah, yo, like there's a power dynamic that's already in place. Like you can't help it. Like you walk around Berkeley and they have a shit ton of like every picture that they have on all these walls and these buildings are old Mm -hmm. white men and women Yeah, from back in the forties and Mm fifties. Now I'm not saying every white person is right. I mean, I I do say that, but (laughs) That's not why I'm saying that. But back in those days, when you think about what was going on in, in the world, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty safe to say that the average white person was not a good person back, right. in, back in those days. Yeah. But anyway. I mean, yeah, whenever I see that a business was established in like 18 something, mm-hmm. early 1900, any whatever, I'm like... Mm, I'm already judging you. They just started changing the <laughs> names of buildings because, I mean, yeah, the whole cancel yeah. culture f- made them change the names because all these buildings are named after like racist yeah. people. Yeah. And I mean, it's not even like just what you see on campus. It's like what you're being taught, what you're reading. You know, I had like, I had one professor that w- actually he wasn't even a professor yet. He was a, a graduate student, but mm-hmm. he was like, had been doing his PhD for almost like seven years or some shit. And he taught a summer course I was in and he was like the only one that was like, he had a way of um, making the class like very accessible. And he gave us a space to like talk about what it really felt like to be there. And it, I don't think I ever had that other than that class. Mm-hmm. So yeah. did um you didn't join any like sororities or anything did you no fuck no okay good <laughs> about to say <laughs> all right so after you graduated from berkeley mm-hmm. um what happened i graduated from berkeley and uh did not have money i was with my ex and we were trying to find somewhere that was cheaper to live so we moved to oregon for a year so i lived in eugene for a year but i actually didn't even make it a year i was there for like 10 11 months and Mm. i moved back before he did because i was like i can't handle this anymore this is terrible like i just want to go back home why didn't you like it uh fucking oregon is a very specific type of like racist like they don't they don't want to talk about difficult issues at all like Mm. it's like even the people of color there that i would try to be like hey do you like relate to the shit that's happening it was like no Mm. they don't want to talk about it you know and uh i remember meeting this guy it was rare to meet someone that like wasn't white there it was it's just rare i was also in eugene eugene is their college town so if anything there would have been maybe a little more diversity there i don't know but um other than that it also felt like there wasn't a lot of opportunity like if you want to do something you're going to do it but it's going to stay at like a very very local level Mm -hmm. like almost to the point where you're just kind of doing it on your own um but i did also learn a lot while i was there um I was really, and still am, really into fashion design. And I wanted to, my goal while I was there was to teach myself how to sew. And I did that. And Mm -hmm. I worked, I like interned for someone and helped them upcycle, use clothing and shit. So like, that was chill. Um, But yeah, I mean, if somebody wants to accept the challenge of going to Eugene and fucking waking people up over there, (laughs) go for it. 
<laughs> so you left after 11 months and came back to Oakland? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I moved back in. Well, actually, not back in. Uh, I moved in with my sister because she'd been staying at a spot in Oakland for like a few years. And mm-hmm. her roommates had moved out. And so I moved into one of her rooms. You majored in art at Cal? I was a rhetoric major. And I minored in art practice. Okay. Yeah. So when did you start uh, painting? Uh, Well, I've been d- painting, drawing since I was like a little kid. But it was always like in and out. Like if I had the time uh, and materials. Um, and then I, I took, I will say like the few classes I did get decent grades in when I first left high school were my art classes. Cause actually they were fun to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've just, I've always been doing it, but I didn't really start. It was, I mean, when I was in, at Berkeley, I had access to a studio. So, and I think I spent more time there than the people that were like majoring in art, you know, mm-hmm. cause it was dope to have like that much space. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really, really have been leaning into it the last like two years now. When did you realize that, oh shit, like my paintings are like worth thousands of dollars and people <laughs> are willing to buy these shits? <laughs> Uh, I don't, I think I still haven't realized that <laughs> it's a work in progress. Mm. Um, yeah. So when I look at your paintings, right, mm-hmm. I get like, um, like dark I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but like dark, uh, I mean, cause you paint a lot of like bodies, body images, right. But they're mm-hmm. like dark, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, you know, when some, I I think you paint images on how you think when you look in the mirror, how you, your mental is like, I, Mm -hmm. I don't feel pretty today. So I'm going to paint this, like this figure of like, he looks like he's melting or some shit like that, you know? Sure. Like dysmorphia, like art dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I've heard that before. Like, you're not the only one to say that. Um, a lot of people say my paintings are creepy. (laughs) Um, uh, I think that like any perception of art is kind of true. Like it's like whatever you feel and think about it, like if that's what it means to you, then that's, that's what it gives you. Mm-hmm. But as far as like what I'm thinking about, um, I think a lot of it for me is it's about self identity, like the tension between how people see you and mm-hmm. how you see yourself. Uh, and sort of challenging that challenging how people see us what um what people want to assign to our character just because of how we look and how we act Mm. um and i think that i use distortion of the face of the body as a way to represent that tension and also to like try to challenge the audience to like think about that and maybe explore that in themselves and in the way that they see other people and the way they identify other people. Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite, uh, artist? Mm-hmm. Uh, n- no, I don't. Um, there are a few that I like a lot though. Mm-hmm. I mean like, f- uh, faith Ringgold is dope. Um, 
there's some more contemporary artists. I, I'm so bad at remembering names. Um, some really cool, like, portraiture is coming out right now. Um, Egon Shiel is cool too. I mean, his, his portraits are amazing. Um, cause they're so simple. Like he hardly uses anything and he can get so much emotion out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no one favorite. I, I honestly, yeah, I don't, I try to lean away from like, of course I like to see art because I think that it's very important, but I have a lot of trouble with like disconnecting what I'm making from how the world is influencing me visually, mm. um, which I think is like it's essentially impossible, but I try. <laughs> like I want to disconnect from like the overstimulation of visuals and media, but it's difficult to do that. So you also, um, you also model, right? When did you uh, start modeling? I do not model. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you were in a photo shoot, correct? I was. I was helping a friend out. Uh, yeah. Okay, well. Yeah, no, I've never. I guess we won't touch on that. that. <laughs> <laughs> they were nice pictures, by the way. Thank you. So, uh, I mean, yeah, if anyone would look at that, those pictures and be like, oh, yeah, how can this girl be, like, insecure? <laughs> I mean, I think that we could look at anyone and think that they're, they must be perfect. They must yeah. live the perfect life. But mm-hmm. I think everybody has insecurities. Do you like uh, modeling? I mean, well, you just have that one. I mean, I've I've like done other photo shoots too. Just like if people ask me on Instagram, usually that particular one was like somebody I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't love it. Like I have to be kind of drunk to do it Mm. (laughs) without being super self-conscious i don't i don't like a lot of focus on me and in those moments i'm just like all right i need to drink a bit in order to forget that people are looking at me (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know okay yeah when you start a painting Mm -hmm. like what's the first what's the first thing that happens oh when i start a painting uh well, I need inspiration first. And usually I get that from like a reference photo. So like today that I went to the beach, I took a bunch of photos so that, and yesterday too, I went to dinner with like a group of friends and I took photos of everyone so that I could recreate them. So to me, it starts with like, it starts in that moment. It starts out, you know, outside Mm -hmm. of the canvas. And it's really about like, how I feel in their presence, you know, and what I read about them that they are not telling me, you know, sort of like I I try to be as an empathetic of a person as I can be. And I think that doing that makes it so that I'm constantly like psychoanalyzing people when I'm interacting with them because I want them to feel like I could. And I, this is genuine. Like I do care, but I want them to feel it because I think Mm -hmm. that, a lot of times people just go unseen, you know, or you have all these conversations with people that don't really listen or they talk at you and <laughs> don't really say shit. Um, so yeah, it starts there. Um, but when I'm actually physically painting, uh, I'm really thinking about like the logistics of it, you know, like composition colors. Um, 
but also I'm doing that while keeping in mind like how those people make me feel when I'm with them. Does it take you like a long time to finish a a piece? No. Um, like I could do a painting in a day. Mm. Um, if I really want to, and I want to overextend myself, I can do two, you know, I just got to stay up late. Um, you have a studio you paint at or you just do it at your house? My house. I uh, I have a room that's pretty small, but it has like a crawl space. Mm-hmm. So I moved my bed, <laughs> my mattress into that crawl space and made my room into a studio. So I, yeah, my room is a studio because <laughs> I can't afford a studio. <laughs> has anyone ever hired you to like paint, uh, to paint them? Uh, yes. Yes, they have. I've done a few commissions. Yeah. Have you ever painted like naked people? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like naked men? Uh, naked men. Yes, but it was never a commission. Um, that was more just like on my own accord. <laughs> but. Do you normally just only paint uh, like humans? Do Or do you paint like, oh. I do. Or paint yeah. this building and shit? Nah. I. I don't know. I think I find people really interesting. And so I have yet to lose my interest. Mm. So when that happens, maybe I'll switch over to buildings and landscapes. (laughs) 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 But for now, I'm going to stick to people. What else are you, uh, I mean, you're obviously passionate about painting and art. What else are you passionate about? Um, a lot of things. Um, I think, about my connections with the people that I know. I'm passionate about my family. Um, I'm passionate about some sort of like social change to whatever capacity I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm passionate about learning about fashion. I think fashion is dope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I love to write too. Like, um, no. What do you write poetry? Uh, I have like poetry is really fun. It almost feels it's very like uh, it's a good way to kind of like loosen up because I'm like there's no boundaries here. I could just say whatever. And, I mean, technically, whenever we write, we could do that. But you have a you poem know. you want to recite? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any of my poems memorized. It's never like that. It's like almost like journal poetry that yeah. I do and forget. Mm. Um, but what I write more is like fiction based on nonfiction, like based on real experiences, mm. but I elaborate. Um, yeah. That's it. I mean, I want to say that's not it because as, as far as like what I'm interested in, I think that that's something that's always changing and always yeah. growing, you know? So what are you working on, uh, currently right now? Uh, in terms of art? Mm-hmm. Mm, I mean, I have an empty canvas in my room right now that I am excited to paint on. <laughs> that will probably be a photo of my sister and all her friends. Um, oh, like some, uh, something you took today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, um, I'm working on applying to MFA programs and like any kind of like s- studio programs I can find mm-hmm. or like residencies type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You just had like an art fair, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Do you I want didn't... to talk about that or what? 
I just, so there's this, and like, there's this, uh, website called Musa, M-U-S-A. I don't know how to actually pronounce it. Um, and for any artists out there that are listening to this, go to that website, make a fucking, like, uh, make a page for yourself. Cause you can essentially like put your information, upload photos, and they put you in contact with businesses. And then they do either like pop-ups, which are like a one day thing where you display your art mm-hmm. for the day. Or they do like a month long thing where you leave your art out there, you know, on their walls for a month. Mm. Um, so it was one of those. And, uh, the, fr- like I've done two other ones and it's like, it's mixed. It's, it's very, it's kind of a lot of work, you know, like you have to take all your stuff there. Mm-hmm. You have to like mingle. And I'm, I don't love that part about being an artist, you know, like I'm, I'm very, like if it was up to me, my personality, my person, my name would not be attached to my art. I would rather just be like, you know. Well, I think that's pretty normal when it comes to artists. Yeah. They're a very introvert. Like, yeah. uh, Basquiat, he was, he wasn't trying to mingle with nobody. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fucking, wasn't Van Gogh, wasn't he like crazy too? (laughs) I don't, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I think that's kind of normal. Yeah, but, um, I mean, I could turn it on for work, you know, like I worked retail for my, like, for 10 years, but Mm. I don't want to do that on my own time. So I don't, (laughs) Mm. but like other people, cause, you know, there was like two other artists there and they were a little better at that. I kind of am like, can I just disappear and then come back when I have to take my stuff back? Yeah. Um, but it was cool. Like, I'm glad that I got the opportunity. Um, every time it's like, it's nice. But yeah, you sell anything? Hard. And no, yeah, that's another thing. Like these um, connections don't usually end up in like selling art because people aren't really gonna like go to dinner and be like, oh, let me buy this like painting yeah. that's you know a couple hundred or a thousand dollars. Like yeah. I'm here to just eat. I might look over and think like, oh, that's cool. So like the most I can really get out of it is maybe just you know letting people know that I make art, <laughs> putting mm. my name out there. Do you feel like you do a good job putting your name out there? No. Um, I'm working on it. It's, you know, I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) I try. I don't know. It's one of those things. Like marketing is just, it's something that I have conflicting feelings about, you know? Okay. So I try. All right. Well, um, this is, the point of the convo where you can have free will to like promote anything you want to promote. Uh, like if you want to shout out any other artists, any friend that's working on something, or you want to shout out anything that you have coming up in the future, mm-hmm. please do that. You, you can give out your Instagram if you want, or if, or any contact info if like someone wants to reach out to you. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So my Instagram is Adriana Raquel art. Um, follow me, <laughs> look at my work. Uh, let me know if you like it. Uh, buy a piece, please. If you want to, if you feel so inclined, um, my website is the same www.adrianaraquelart.com. Um, I am going to have six to eight pieces up at awaken cafe in downtown oakland so if you want to see it in person go there 
Um, and I do want to shout out all the artists. I, li- I live in a art co-op and I live with 15 other, pe- right now I think 14 other people. They are all artists. Yeah. So, you know. One and- bathroom? Hmm? One bathroom? No, I have my own bathroom because uh, okay. <laughs> I'm special. But Jack no, up. there's like five bathrooms. Um, but yeah, Lottie Rose House, um, not not the best house, terrible management. But other than that, great people that live there. Mm. Um, so yeah, check out those artists too if you can figure out a way to find them. I won't give a list of like Instagram names. <laughs> um but yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. Well, uh, Adrian, thank you very much for coming on Everyday Celebrity Podcast. Like she said, everyone go to her Instagram and follow her, support her, and also if you have the means, <laughs> purchase a painting because they are they are dope. And then you never know, twenty years from now, it might be like a Banksy piece. <laughs> so yeah uh any last words no thank you for having me that's it <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate you all right this is everyday celebrity podcast and we are out you